Hello and welcome to Calling All Detectives from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Calling All Detectives. When I boarded a train and ordered a sandwich in the club car, what I was served was murder deluxe. That is the situation on this page for my casebook, the casebook of Jerry Browning, Private Detective. When you're a private detective like me, Jerry Browning, the smallest things can crack the biggest cases. Wilbur Norris, first vice president of the Great Valley Railroad, stood alongside of me on the Lelandsville station platform. Lelandsville was a whistle stop for most Great Valley trains, but the weekend flyer stopped for us on signal. Mr. Norris and I headed for the club car and something to eat. We'd been on a routine investigation and now faced a 400-mile trip back to town. The club car steward came over to take our orders. We sat down next to a huge, puffy-cheeked man. You rang, sir? Well, what do you know? Service on the first ring. Norris ignored the drunk, gave the steward our order for sandwiches and coffee, then settled back to enjoy his favorite pastime, riding on trains. But the drunk couldn't be discouraged. Edgar Wilson is my name, gents. Shake hands with me and shake hands with the smartest real estate promoter in seven counties. Norris fixed him with a cold eye. Real estate doesn't interest me, Mr. Wilson, except as something to pass through. <laughs> Mighty funny. <laughs> Boy, you're a god. Hey, let me tell you about the deal I put over. Worked on it for months. Couldn't let them yokels know what their property was worth. <laughs> Bet you I make a million. Hey, waiter, little service here. The steward brought Wilson a drink, then went back to his tiny galley at the end of the car. The train whistle tooted. And we went through a tunnel. The drunk had his drink, and another, while Mr. Norris and I ate our sandwiches. After a while, I realized that Wilson's chatter had stopped completely. I twisted around to look at him. He was slumped in his seat. Not dead drunk. Just plain dead. While riding a Great Valley train with its vice president, I discovered a dead man sitting next to us in the club car. Norris quietly left to get the conductor. Meanwhile, I eyed the other passengers who, judging from their behavior, considered Wilson no more than drunk and asleep. A couple of minutes later... Norris came back with the conductor. <sighs> Poor chap seems to have had a heart attack. Shall I halt the train, Mr. Norris? Norris looked at me for a cue. I shook my head. Now, keep going. Whoever killed Wilson is still on the train. Wilbur Norris turned purple. Killed? Who said anything about killed? People ride the Great Valley for quick, courteous transportation. Not to be killed, Browning. Yeah. But just the same, Mr. Norris, this man has been killed. Look at his eyes. Smell that odor. Sure signs of the white arsenic derivatives. Anybody could have slipped the stuff into his drink while we were going through one of those tunnels. And somebody did. Norris grabbed at my arm. Well, don't just stand there gabbling. Do something about it. I nodded, turned to the conductor. Can you seal off this car, prevent anybody from entering or leaving? Yes, sir, if you don't mind the complaints. Mr. Browning is in complete charge. <coughs> I uh, will be in the observation car. Call me when you've caught the culprit. 
The passengers started to leave. Sorry, sir. You'll have to stay. There's been a crime. Every time this Tunaville line runs a train, it's a crime. Now, get out of my way. There's been a murder. If you try to leave, I'll be compelled to put you under detention. That was strictly double talk, but it worked. The passenger went back to his seat. I turned to the conductor. Do you know any of these passengers? No, sir. This isn't my regular run. I was transferred to it this morning. Okay. While I talk to the steward, you check through Wilson's pocket. See what papers he's got. I walked on back to the steward's galley, found him preparing sandwiches. Anything wrong, sir? There certainly is. A man's been murdered. The steward put down his knife. Murdered? Here? Yeah. That fat drunk. Somebody dropped some farewell crystals into his highball. The steward's face got red to the roots of his blonde hair. I don't know anything about it. I didn't say you did. All I want is a look at your dirty glasses. The steward gulped. I... I don't have any dirty glasses. Look. He pointed to a shelf of sparkling glasses. I work alone here, sir. Not much space, so I wash stuff as I go. All the glasses are clean. I shrugged, went on back into the car. The conductor told me none of the passengers admitted knowing Wilson. As for the contents of the dead man's pockets, there was a fat roll of bills, some real estate forms, a signed receipt for a $10,000 down payment on Fulton County property, and nothing else. Just then, the steward came over with a check for the food Norris and I had eaten. I took a $10 bill from my wallet. Thank you, sir. Let's see, three and a quarter, plus one, five, and 75 cents. He carefully arranged the silver on top of the bills, returned the tray to me. I started to pull out the bills, intending to leave the silver as a tip. And as I did, a memory stirred in my mind. I knocked the tray aside, punched it, steward, and he put up a fight, but it didn't last long. I dragged him back to the galley. You're not the steward on this car. Who are you? It took a while, but I finally got the story. My name's Tom Clyde. I had a short-order restaurant in Fulton County. Sold out two months ago for 1400 To that man, Wilson. Then I found out the place was worth a fortune. Oil on the two acres that went with it. You heard Wilson brag about how he took the yokels. I saw him hanging around the station this morning, so I offered Harry McGinney, the regular steward, 20 bucks to let me take his place. He could do it because there was a new conductor who didn't know him. Wilson got my property. But I got him. I left Tom Clyde with police at the next station. Then I went on back to the observation car, found Norris pretending to read a railroad magazine. Eh, what took you so long? I'm sorry, Mr. Norris. It, it took a while to arrange the details of the steward's arrest with the police at Bayside Station. Norris grunted, went on raiding. But after a while, his curiosity got too much for him. So it was a steward, just as I thought. How did you find it out? I tried not to smile. By a very little thing, Mr. Norris... When he gave me my change, he put the silver on top of the bills. That's the way it's done in a no-tip joint, like Clyde's short order place, for example. But stewards are waiters who depend on tips. Don't do it like that. It's an old waiter's trick to leave the silver on the bottom of the tray to influence the customer to do the same thing. As a cook, Clyde was fine. But as a waiter, he was a dead giveaway. <laughs> obvious. Perfectly obvious. Yeah. Too bad you weren't there to notice it. And that's all there was to it. A perfectly simple little case, all in a day's work. Like I said, if you don't let the big facts of a crime blind you to the little things, you'll always get on the right track. 